If you travel, you know how to really go off the grid. Like no cell service in your room, off the grid. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths, sound baths, and ice baths. Because when you set up your out-of-office, you mean it. Because when you're the escape artist, vacation is all about resting, meditating, drinking water, and minding your own businessing. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know. When you're constantly on the move, it's not just pits that break a sweat. From your armpits to your thighs and everywhere in between, new whole body deodorant cream and sticks from Shea Moisture are your secret weapon to staying fresh and confident all day long. Made from melanin-rich skin and packed with plant-based goodness, embrace a new era of freshness with whole body and stick deodorants from Shea Moisture. Find them at your nearest Walmart and walmart.com. And when you do, your whole body's covered. Welcome to the Friends. Every time I'm in the zone. My name is Dustin. I'm Francesca, also known as K Friend Hey. My name is Asante. This is the Friends Zone. Let's start the show. I'm in the zone. She's caught a monkey. Said, or I'm sorry, she said that he should shut up and dribble. This yeah, is- but maybe if it gets handled the way that other things get handled with other people, maybe she'll shut up and dribble, you know, in a cup. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. Okay, now, as always, I try my best. Now, this started during Black History Month, went on into Women's History Month. I've been trying to keep it going this month, but I've been looking for clips from black women. You all are the nucleus of all things fortuitous. Okay. okay. And I just want to pay homage while I can. So speaking of, I did my best and found a clip from Lunell this week <laughs> that echoed her sentiments from last week, except this week, the paparazzi once again, whoop, whoop, that's the son of TMZ. Okay. <laughs> TMZ caught Lunell ass on the sidewalk again this week. And they asked her about the comments that the recent, uh, you know, pine wood knot hole of a woman, Laura Ingram, what she made on Fox (laughs) News, uh, the comments that she made regarding Nipsey Hussle, his passing, um, and his participation in the song Fuck Donald Trump, which is actually by YG, so she ain't know what the hell she was talking about. The point is, Lunell was asked, they were asking Lunell how she felt about that, and then they brought up some previous comments that Laura Ingram had made about LeBron James and him being able to just shut up, him, excuse me, uh, the fact that, in her opinion, he should just shut up and dribble, okay? Mm-hmm. So they held her to the fire for it, but you know ain't no meat on her bones. So she just stood there and just burned. She's so rotten, she ain't even burned up. She just stood <laughs> in the fire. So <laughs> when they asked Lunell about it, uh, she said that, you know, if this problem with her gets handled the way some problems get handled, you know, then maybe she'll be able to shut up and dribble too in a cup. Now... <laughs> You can make your own inference as to what, you know, she was referring to. I think it's pretty clear to me and y'all what she meant. But the thing that we always focus on in this segment is being enriched and what people have given back. And I just want to point out that even in a moment of anger, justifiable anger as well, towards a bigot, a literal bigot, Lunell Steele set an example for all who watched that interview. You know what she did? 
added detail. The importance of details. Be detailed when you're speaking. Be detailed when you're thinking and your actions so that you can get things done and executed properly. And in this case, the detail that she added was our hashtag this week, which is what? In a cup. <laughs> I love that they keep bumping into Lunel. Man. Because she was made for this. <laughs> Apparently, she's showing us every week. She's so, so once again, we just want to make sure that we do what we need to do to add detail to all, to all things of importance. The hashtag this week is in a cup. Say it one more time, Asante. In a cup. In a cup. In a cup. That's right. Okay. With that being said, and most, young, most importantly understood, actually, I had it right, mostly understood, because some people just ain't going to get it. But with that being said, and mostly understood, it's time for the QTNAs, which is questions that need answers and questions that niggas is asking. Fran is looking at me laughing. These are the moments where we need a camera. Okay. These are moments I'm glad we don't have a camera. I'm glad actually. we don't either. <laughs> Question. You're going you in for a treat this week. <laughs> Question we one. Week. <laughs> and this week's theme is, is it true? Okay. Oh, God. oh, yeah. Let me not take a sip of this water. Yet. Is it true that on this here past Easter Sunday, when Monique's twin sons went outside to search for Easter eggs and found that she had just stuck a damn carton of eggs in the bush, just, just shoved a styrofoam carton of eggs in the damn bush. They slowly looked at each other in the face because ever since them kids at their school saw that picture of Monique with the gray hair, they've been making fun of them twins saying, y'all mama crazy, that's why her hair turned gray. Is it true that that took, oh my God. That took so many turns? <laughs> Come on. All right. Question two. Is it true that on last Saturday in the beautiful island of St. Lucia at the Jazz Festival, during the intermission between the performances of Angie Stones, yes, with an S, and Jaheem, radio host from the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, Gary with the T, was standing outside about to smoke with a cigarette hanging out the side of his mouth and patting his chest pocket searching for a lighter and the person next to him was doing the exact same thing at the same oh time God. so they was patting their chest for a lighter too so they bumped elbows and mobile excuse me excuse me and then looked up at each other and stared for about four seconds Here before turning go. around and that other person was none other than Ayanla Van Zandt. Is it true? Did that happen? Y'all know Gary with the T and Ayanla with no makeup look alike. All right. Question three. I'm getting this up out of here, y'all. Question three. Gary with the T. Oh, Question three. And this one is short. And this one is just, I mean, this is just what I heard. Now the streets is talking. Is it true that the real reason that Raptress Remy Ma allegedly blacked Britney Taylor's eye was because Remy was holding her. <laughs> Fran has just proven Why? QTA number two Why? to be true. No. Well, all right. I love it. Okay, here we go. Back to question number three. Now that Fran is on board, let's go. I mean, she is. She got it. Ianla Rhonda no. Van Zandt. That's right. Ianla and Gary with the T looking like y'all know it. Okay. Nah, can't you see a friend? <laughs> okay, question three. I'm going to get it out. What's wrong with him? Excuse me, excuse Smoking a cigarette outside. Hey, look, bumping and then when they stare at each other, she's like, yeah. And they both know they did like this. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, both had a cigarette hanging out there. Yeah, both of them. And was patting their chest looking for lives. Oh, shit, excuse me. I should have put all oh. shit in there. Anyway, because why? 
in a cup. The details. We're moving forward. Question three. Okay. This is quick. It's a short one. This is short. Is it true that the real reason that raptress Remy Ma allegedly blacked Britney Taylor's eye is because Remy walked past her and she was holding the golden child, her baby, and the baby was wearing one of them little knitted baby hats, little crochet ones that keep their little heads warm. And Remy Ma overheard Britney say, she got on a damn head like papoose. And that's when she just put the heck Is that what happened? Is it true? Okay. So and she dotted that eye, baby. They say to dot your eyes and cross your T's. Remy was listening. With that being said, I want to take this time to welcome everybody to the friend zone. Your weekly look in all things mental health, mental wellness, and mental hygiene. Because who in the Hades, I'm not cussing this week, wants a musty brain? Hey, friend, how you doing? Shout out to Fran's haircut, y'all. Fran has oh, the cutest yes. haircut. She has done a big chop. I have. Chopperazzi. Okay. <laughs> and it looks amazing. Thank you. No problem. I appreciate that. And I wasn't scared this time, mm-hmm. which means I'm ready to go shorter. And you and and, and you should. I am. Yeah. It's great. I got to so. just find the right cut and then yes. I'm with it. Thank you, Perfect. guys. So before we get into the show, I just want to give one quick church announcement, which is actually a congratulations to my dear friend, Antonio Brown, who I spoke Yay. of earlier on the show. Congratulations. Yes, he, he ran for a uh, city councilman Amazing. in District 3 in Atlanta. It came down to him and his opponent. That's um, huge. They did a runoff and he won. So first LGBTQIA+. Wow. Uh, Minus divided, uh, <laughs> oh forward sign E squared. Oh, no, nah, I'm just playing. But he was the first. He's the first. He's the first. So shout out to him. Um, I know he's going to do some great, great things in Atlanta, and I know his heart is in it because I know him personally. So I'm so happy to see. I, it was good to just watch this moment happen for him. So he realized the dream, and I saw it. That's so, so awesome. I remember when you were encouraging everyone mm-hmm. that's listening to. Vote. And thank yes. you too, because a lot of our uh, of our, our listeners in Atlanta actually sought him out. Um, wow. and supported him on the campaign trail. He Good. kept meeting people who listened to the friend zone that were supporting him after they had reviewed what he had to say. Yeah. So um, just congratulations to him. That's it. Yeah. Now we can go on out front of the church and enjoy the sidewalk. Yeah. Who are we out enjoying the sidewalk? It's friend's birthday! Yeah. Happy birthday, friend! Thank you. You can do everything you can <laughs> to make a beautiful show. Oh. I didn't and expect just that. So they knew. For real. It. Happy friend. birthday, friend. Thank you. Shout out to your mama for, for doing us all a solid. <laughs> yes. I just, you know, <laughs> you give so much. You gave so much to this to this podcast landscape, to everything that you touch. And to see you do that is just beautiful. And you deserve everything that you get today. Everybody's gonna send you so much love oh, and you deserve all of it. So thank yes, you. happy birthday, friend. I receive you. it. I appreciate it. That's really sweet. Y'all are gonna make me cry. And everybody can catch her that has tickets because baby is sold out. <laughs> okay. So y'all can sold out her birthday. But those that have tickets can catch you at NYU. Yes, today. I'll actually be speaking tonight for my birthday. Funny enough, I don't usually work on my birthday, but they this was. I mean, you know, it's a free event at NYU. It's called uh, Women on the Rise mm-hmm. uh, by an organization called The Organization of Black Women. Yes. How could I turn that down? Yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about entrepreneurship and how to delve into careers that are often viewed as unconventional. And hello, 
I think I'm the queen of that. <laughs> so, so I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to share with the people. And then we're going to have like a, a not not a meet and greet, but like a reception. There we mm. go afterwards where we can talk one on one. So I'm hoping to meet some of you face to face and kind of hang out for a little bit yes. before I dash out. They get to see your haircut. <laughs> yeah, you can see my haircut and whatever yes. outfit I throw together because I have not planned anything yet. And watch Hopefully it be sharp cute. as a right turn, okay? <laughs> but I will see you there at NYU. Uh, those of you who got tickets, thank you so much for selling out the event. I literally did not see that coming. I wasn't entirely sure how that was going to work out because, you know, college is different yeah. than like, right, you know, an event outside of school. Yeah. So, Thank you for that love. I posted it at night and then by the morning, everybody was like, I tried to get a ticket, hmm. sold out. So you guys always hold me down. Y'all know how we do around these parts. And so I'm forever grateful and thankful for your support. Shout right? out to you working yes. on your birthday. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Catch it though. <laughs> Let me find out you. Happy birthday to you. From NYU one day. Right. So. <laughs> and uh, you know, they say to start your new year the way you want the new year to feel. So Baby. I'm not mad that I'm working. Amen. And I'm with women. Black yes. women at a university. Amen. That's organized a good feeling. Women. Organized, organized women. Black exactly. women. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. So I like that. Setting the tone for my new year. So speaking of organized women, let's jump into the black business of the week. Black business of the week. I love your song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So curvaceous couture. Curvaceous. Isn't that just cute? Is the first designer bridal boutique to feature a complete collection of full-figured and one-of-a-kind wedding gowns from all over the world in sizes 16 through 44. Mm. Isn't that dope? Located in the Baltimore, Washington metropolitan area. I First of all, I saw this, I think CNN had tweeted, maybe Forbes. Mm. And I was like amazing. screenshotted it immediately because I was like, okay, we have to amplify this. Absolutely. The owner is Yukia Walker. She... If you go on her site, which is curvaceouscouture.com, C-U-R-V-A-C-E-O-U-S-C-O-U-T-U-R-E.com, she says she struggled with her weight throughout her childhood and into adulthood. And when it came time to choose her own wedding dress, she encountered so many obstacles. Although armed with a pretty generous budget, she soon realized boutiques had little to no selection of plus size gowns and was horrified to see her size 14 frame stuffed into a size 10 gown to the point that she was actually laughed out of the salon for asking for a size 16. Can you imagine that? They laughed when she asked for that. So she grew increasingly weary and eventually settled on a lackluster dress found at a discount bridal sale. Devastated because it's her wedding day. You know what I mean? So she was devastated that she couldn't even find the dress of her dreams and was laughed at at the salon. So what happened? She created her own. That's right. Yes. Curvaceous Couture. Like I said, it's in the Baltimore, Washington metropolitan area. And go to curvaceouscouture.com to support and for more information. Yeah. That's the black business. She's better off anyway. They probably had a bunch of them old saloon ass looking wedding dresses <laughs> with the with the boning and the satin at the top. Nobody <laughs> want that shit. No way. Congratulations, yes. girl. Yes, Cur- I love that couture. she turned a challenge into something, a business of her own. Like yes. to me, that's the best way to go about yeah. it. And and solve the need for other people Absolutely. in the process. Like a real critical need. So no one need. has to deal with that. Yeah. She's going to blow up. She's Absolutely. Gonna, you know why she's going to blow up? Because black people know taste. 
<laughs> especially when it comes to shit like that. So she's gonna blow up. I feel like even people that aren't plus size are gonna be like, "Girl, well, what about me?" It's gonna be like, <laughs> right. And she's gonna, she have, gonna to have to expand. Hell yes. And so what's what she I gonna love? call the new one? <laughs> well, so if that one is curvaceous couture. What's the new one gonna be called? Skinny shit. <laughs> <laughs> plus y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus y'all. And what I love is that they customize <laughs> one of a kind gowns, Dope. which I think is fantastic. Yes. It went from not being able to find one, having to go to a discount sale to customizing your own one of a kind gown. Get you just yeah. as sharp. I love it. Go ahead. So that is the Black Business of the Week. Let's jump into the recap segment from last week's episode, shall we? So last week's episode titled Aunt Becky's Meet and Greet. <laughs> Everybody thought it was a porn episode. <laughs> we discussed white privilege and access via the college cheating scandal, Firefest, and Theranos. A swift reminder that our battles with imposter syndrome gotta go. And as always, wow. those of you listening had a lot to say. So who stood out to you, Asante? So you know, I actually wanted to dip into the Twitter streets right quick. Okay. And I wanted Move to make away, sure I got Justin. this out the way early. I'm so <laughs> sorry. You know, I never do this. But uh, I want to shout out to Shakira out in ATL. Her at is at Kira ATL. That's K-I-R-A-A-T-L. And it's to all of my at Friends on Pod listeners. I've compiled a playlist of the 2019 listens lately. Wow, that's sick. And it's on iTunes. I just want to thank her for doing that. Um, people always ask, and I'm like, I don't like no. And it's not even just my listens lately. It's everybody's listens lately. So she put some Jack Davey on here. She put some Rico Nasty, like a bunch of artists that we talk about. So go check her out. Again, her Twitter is uh, she Shakira, but it's Kira, K-I-R-A. ATL. So, you know, shout out to the ATL doing the good things. You know what I'm saying? I always got to shout out my Atlanta people. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of that work. That means she went back and listened so, to every episode since yep. well, January. Yep. So, thank her for doing that. Thank you. you know, thank you. Asking for the old, old number. Oh, well, you know, I just, um, you know, we still working on the news. So. <laughs> um, so, that's what I found over here in the Twitter streets. So, what about you, friend? What did you find in them SoundCloud streets? I actually have a couple of... I can't speak today. What's going on with me lately? That new energy. I have a couple of comments. This one, they don't have a username. So it's literally user 31395749 says, um, historically... Historically, I've had such a hard time with test taking. I was diagnosed with anxiety, among other things, and this included test anxiety. To get special adjustments, one had to do paperwork to qualify for the scholarship and to formally get assistance. Unfortunately, neither of my parents knew enough to help with the paperwork, so there went that. Fortunately, I did have one teacher who allowed me to sit by myself for tests when I retook the class. Otherwise, I struggled like hell. I was on academic probation my freshman year, and was able to thankfully still graduate with a C average. But then you have these raggedy ass bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, that took a turn. Okay. And everyone involved doing this bullshit. <laughs> I have a five-year-old and that's why I'm already fighting for her. So that was intense, but I completely understood. Remember we were talking about having test anxiety mm -hmm. and sometimes you don't even know that they can make certain concessions for you or cultivate certain experiences. Luckily he had that teacher who saw it and was like, I'm going to help you yes. let you sit by yourself so that you yeah. can kind of minimize the anxiety. And I also did want to bring that up 
because I thought the quote was perfect. A couple of people had hit me up. I had maybe like two or three comments on Twitter where they were saying, um, in regards to the statement I made about the people who used to get extra time or would be moved to a different location. And they were saying that that was usually our peers who are disabled. And I'm like, absolutely. IEP mandates. That's yeah. one thing. That's which is not, not what you were talking about. That's not what I was referring to. But I want to clarify yeah, just yeah, to yeah. make sure that no one takes it yeah. the wrong way. I was specifying <laughs> the scammer children right. whose parents had connections with judges and um, heads of schools or mm-hmm. deans, mm-hmm. you know, and they just kind of were maybe in the same fraternity, same for mm-hmm. sorority, or God knows where they knew each other from mm-hmm. school. Kind of similar to Elizabeth Holmes having all those connections because of her dad and his schooling. So right. those are the kids I was referring to since the episode was about people with access and privilege and, and how they use it to deceive others and kind of take their place so those are the ones when I was in high school that I noticed I'd be like mm. mm, right. <laughs> you lucky you're getting this mm-hmm. but obviously our peers who had disabilities and IEPs mandating these that's a completely, completely different story different. yeah no no right. no and that obviously I would never think that they don't you know they shouldn't have those right not even so but wanted to make that clear. I remember just to your point, I remember being in school and people being mad. They were, I'd be like, what's everybody so upset about? They're like, this person in this class because, you know, they got the hookup through their parents. Like, not even because they're <laughs> yeah. supposed to be here. And they'll be like, well, damn, why, so why are they in the class? And then they would be like, oh, class is overcrowding because people was hooking it up. All the time, there. man. You can see clearly now the rain has come. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw clearly then. I just didn't care. I was like, here y'all niggas come. Oh, yes. <laughs> and what was your other one, friend? I know you said a couple of them. Jasmine Green. <laughs> Jasmine Green on SoundCloud said, Girl Trek does a yearly 10-week challenge where you walk for 30 minutes a day for five days a week. It just started on 415 and ends in June, but the benefits really are legit and it's never too late to join and take the pledge. I'm doing it with my dog. Oh my God, Aww. that's so cute. <laughs> and it tremendously helps his health. I love that as well as mine. He's nine years old. Oh my God. Aww. This is killing me right now which is around 63 years in human age and he's just as energetic as when he was a puppy because I have always prioritized walking him regularly all his life the vet is always surprised by his stamina at his yearly checkups now that he is technically in senior status honestly walking is the truth and I love that because remember that was the wellness segment where I was asking people to take more walks you know even if it's just to hang with your friends because I did that with my best friend when I was in San Francisco and we had so much fun laughing, talking about whatever we want to talk about, not in front of her husband. So we went and did it for a walk. <laughs> On a walk, yeah. <laughs> now walk it out. But I did find it funny. I dipped into the Twitter streets and there were a couple of male men <laughs> and male women who told me that that is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Which really made me laugh. Uh, Coco Realness said, I'm just listening. <laughs> I know, perfect name. I'm just listening to this week's episode and I can say that for me, she capitalized okay, that. I'm, see, I'm on board already. <laughs> I like that. Walking does not curb my sweet tooth. I'm a mail carrier and I walk 15 miles a day. Holy shit. Dang. I don't know why I never thought of that. The mail carriers be walking that many miles. I do, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Oh, no. Go ahead. And I find that I want sweets more when I'm walking than when I'm not active. Mm. But then the Britty G said, 
Hey friend, hey is talking about walking in the wellness segment. I walk 10 miles a day for my job and can confirm that I had maybe two sick days all of last year. Mm. So, you know, our scientific research has two opposing views, mm. <laughs> but I love that you guys are walking Duking for your health out. benefits. But also I want to keep testing this theory that Harvard put out about whether or not walking curbs a sweet tooth, which if you didn't listen to last week's episode, that's what the wellness segment was about. We're doing, we're conducting our own friend's mm-hmm. own research. Dustin, why are you so cute? Because I, I let a lot of stuff slide during that whole segment. But we, just, we could just keep it moving. Okay. What'd you find? Oh, no. We can keep it short and sweet this week. Um, I wanted to highlight a tweet from Life of Mine underscore LMC. Um, who replied to a tweet that I uh, wrote my damn self where I said that if I had a kid, the one temporary lie that I would tell them is that the tooth fairy exists because it's really the sweetest thing to see that toothless smile in the morning snatching (laughs) that money from under the damn pillow. (laughs) And it is. And so life of mine, really, see, I'm glad you guys agree because I totally would lie to my kids about the tooth fairy. Uh That's it, though. No Santa? No, hell no. (laughs) I bought that shit. But anyway, like I'm really finna work so hard to <laughs> sacrifice and then lie to my kids and tell them a white man did it. Oh my God, why are you and my mom the same? Right. She didn't let me believe in Santa because she said she'll be damned if yeah. I thought a white man bought me those kids. Yeah, like please, any man that, but uh, anyway, so <laughs> okay, I completely understand how Russell Wilson feel. Did you see oh, when he said, man. don't even worry about the child support money because mm-hmm. he'll do it his damn self. Anyway, that's the anyway, go on, Jeez, go on. <laughs> Okay, so the tweet that I want to highlight again came from Life of Mine underscore LMC who said, my four-year-old told my six and eight-year-old that we sneak in their room at night and put money under their pillow. <gasps> When she lost her first tooth this year, I just handed her the dollar. She been here before, they all say. Old ass soul, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> so the baby, out of miles of babes, the little one, literally the grandma is the baby. She told the rest of them, hey, they, they be giving y'all that money at night. Okay. Okay. Hilarious, okay. right? That's it. Work. <laughs> Work. So... Kind of tagging on to last week's episode where we discussed, like I mentioned earlier, uh, white privilege and access. White privilege. (laughs) First of all, your comments on Elizabeth Holmes, the tweets of people who had not heard of her before had me in (laughs) tears because all of you watched the the show on, not the show, the documentary on HBO, as well as listen to the (laughs) podcast. Some of you picked up the book and you were just like, the caucasity. (laughs) They couldn't believe it. But I love I love that we're learning together and figuring out all these stories. Keeping our fingers out of machines <laughs> together. Mm-hmm. So wow. I thought a good tie-in would be to look at the political, the political sphere that's taking place right now because there's a lot going on. First of all, before I get into it, I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about politicians in general? They're a necessary evil. It's nothing but because we have to pick someone to do that job, right? Whatever function, whatever they're running for, state level, um, you know, federal level, whatever. Someone has to do those do those jobs. And as has been um, evidenced by years and years of history and patterns, it's not the most ethical or upright (laughs) of positions to assume. But someone's got to do it. And a lot of times there's decisions that have to be made in those positions and everybody won't be happy, but somebody has to do it. So we got to vote. So what's what what you talking about? That's how I feel. What about you? 
Um, politicians are really cool characters on TV shows. <laughs> you said that so sweetly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, when it comes to politics, it's really hard to figure out, you know, what everybody's real priorities are. So I think there's always that overall general temperature of hesitation when it comes to politicians. It's never been like a, um, like for me, I, I, I can't think of a situation where I've been like, Oh, you know, these are, it's like a trusting round of politicians or a very like cool lot of clean people. Like it's never been a thought of that. So I don't think of like, and I think that kind of sucks, but I don't think of like good people or cool people, not even cool, but like good people that I think actually care about the shit that they're talking about as opposed to them just really talking until they can get the real shit that they want to get, whether it's actually playing into power versus caring about communities and neighborhoods. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Not that period. Right. Period. (laughs) I've I've never felt comfortable speaking on politics, funny enough, because that's what I studied in school. Oh, I remember being bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I legit thought I was going to be in Congress. Can you even picture that? Yes. You can? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, that's cool. That was unexpected. What you doing this for? (laughs) Right? What you you doing in 2020? I'd be the coolest, though, with my little Jordans. Um, Talk about AOC, (laughs) HFH. You'd be up in there with with Anton. (laughs) Oh, oh, sweet. That's what she does? Mm, Well, you know, that's where she's trying to go. That's so bomb. I love it. So, I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable because when I was interning and obviously I won't mention any names on who I was interning for but it really opened up my eyes because at the time when I graduated from college I was really dead set on thinking that politics was the only way to create real change like real change that could be implemented that was tangible not just ideas for the neighborhood but like on a government level you know what I mean and it was something that I was dead set on and then I interned for someone and when I saw what was really going on behind the scenes how nobody gave a fuck how it was just relationships with businesses and kind of more of a like what can I get out of this position as opposed to what can I give to this position I realized that it just wasn't the place for me which is really disheartening but I feel like the career path that I ended up with is still implementing change in my own way so I don't feel too heartbroken about it. But, you know, that was, you know, that's always strange when you have this idea of like what your path is. And I'm then... just going to say the name. You didn't need to work for Flavor Flav. No, <laughs> okay. You didn't need to work for no Flavor Flav. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> but... Everybody was trying to get what they could out the position. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, when I was in high school, I used to make extra money um, driving around. Um, we would either do phone banking or canvassing for really? certain politicians. That's yeah. really cool. And then whenever the guy that would uh, give, bring us all the stuff, he would come in, he would sit. And I thought it was, well, there were a couple different guys. One of them was a creep. But another one, he was cool because he was sitting, he would talk to us about, you know, the people that we were, you know, running stuff out for. He wouldn't just make us do it. What, like, yeah. their kids ain't shit. <laughs> he got a baby outside the family. Nah, like, that, talk to y'all about them like that. That, that would have been too good. But no, you know, he would come, he would sit in and be like, like you know, this this is what they stand for. This is what oh. they're working towards. You know, this is where they fit in the neighborhood. Like, if it, it, it was somebody that he stood behind, because I don't think he ever would give us anybody he didn't. And I thought that that was dope. So. Yeah, I I mean, that's what I'm kind of hoping that we do with this episode. <laughs> Obviously, we can't break down the platforms that every candidate is running on because they're 
over 20 alone in the Democratic Party. Right. Catch me up on Game of Thrones right quick. It's like, <laughs> right. Exactly. It'd be like nearly impossible. But what I did find interesting tying into last week's episode are the candidates that are running on platforms focused on the redistribution of wealth. Yes, yes. Which to me is very exciting. Whether I think it's going to happen, I don't know. Mm. But... I do like that these conversations are taking place. I love that it's making people have the conversations Mm -hmm. on Twitter. I saw a lot of arguing, a lot of debates. It had nothing to do with whether or not this was real, but more so to do with how people felt about these changes being a possibility and like how it would affect their lives. I saw a lot of like little, well, we'll bring it up. I'll show exactly what I mean. So the first candidate that I'm going to discuss is Massachusetts Senator mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren, who's mm-hmm. now Democratic presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, one of the million. Mm-hmm. So this is what she proposed. She proposed what she's calling a wealth tax. I like it already. She describes it as a 2% annual tax on accumulations of wealth exceeding $50 million. With an additional 1% on wealth exceeding $1 billion. So basically, she'll take two cents out of every dollar that you make after your $50 million. Well, hey. And then three I mean, cents on the dollar after every billion. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Do you think that's fair? Yes. And the only reason I can say that is because once you get to a certain point um, of wealth, as far as like your lifestyle, it's not really, you know, impacted from one bracket to the next. Your day to day life will pretty much I say that to say that the people who that will be who that will apply to, they won't even feel the loss of the money. You won't even feel it. You know, because so, I saw people who are in those brackets mm-hmm. basically breaking down some of their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like they were showing their breakdown of their wealth. And because obviously, let's be real here. The more money you make, the bigger your yeah. life is. Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. But like Dustin was saying, there is a cap to how much you actually need. Right. To your life, the experience, like your lifestyle. Right. You, you know, once you start making choices to have the best of certain things, that's just what it is. It doesn't really, you know, elevate from there. Right. So if you're already, you know, living a literally luxurious lifestyle, Why you not don't share? even miss that 2%. Yeah. Right, bitch. <laughs> I don't think you it's either. I think that, but I do feel like there are probably some people that think that um, or I guess it depends on what business you're in, because if you make a lot of money, but you have to have like a lot of money on hand to like make certain like buys and trades and stuff like that. I guess I see why those people panic. But for me, in my mind, I would think I would already want to be making some or if I'm in that bracket of making all that money, I'm already trying to think of how I can put money aside to help people anyway. So if a lot of that's coming out on that front end like that. I'd be like, cool. So I can go on ahead and take that out. On top of trying to figure out how I want it, because I want to do like a scholarship program or something like that oh. and give back like that. So if like money comes out for, and then I'm like, oh, well, I have my scholarship too. That'll <laughs> just be another way of helping. Right. And the thing is, a lot of people don't feel that way. Right. They feel like I worked hard. Mm-hmm. I made this money and it's mine. I don't have to share it the same way I made it. You can make it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the way that people are feeling about it. What I do love is that she justifies this wealth tax by asserting that higher education and the economy as a whole has long been crimped by tax cuts for wealthy Americans and corporations. She's essentially saying you made this money, yes, but you also made it on the backs of lower income 
like people who make way less than you and the average American. Also, uh, man, but I know what I read, so I'm fine with this. Wasn't it uh, a part of her package when it came to forgiving like student loan debt and all those things? Wasn't that money that they were going to use for that? Wasn't that going to be funded from this wealth tax? Well, yeah, I still I'm going to break all that down. No, 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 it's fine. (laughs) I was was just going to say that too. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. So that that's just the wealth tax. Okay. But then she also in the breakdown of it is she's saying that the wealth tax would raise two point seven trillion dollars over the next ten years. First of all, wow. I, my brain. I can't even picture a hundred thousand dollars in a room. Imagine two point seven trillion. Well, be like what does that even look like? When they used to jump in that money pit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she wants to use seven hundred billion of that money to provide universal wow. childcare, mm-hmm. which is so serious because yeah. my best friend. When she, my, he's obviously my godson's a little bit older now, so he's in school, which is still expensive. But childcare was fifteen hundred dollars a month, which is a rent. Absolutely, you yeah. know what I mean. And to think that you have to pay that, or if you have multiple children, just a lot of pressure. It's very expensive. So the idea that it would be free, right? If the wealthy would just give up right. that two percent. Two percent, two cents on the dollar. Would like it. milk, put 2%. some money away, actually, <laughs> so their kids can go to the schools they want to go to. When yeah, they get older. like the pressure, the the pressure that that would take off of parents. Yeah, and then um, it would also impact early childhood education, meaning that kindergarten would be free. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah! So not only is the childcare free, but when they enter the school system, that's free as well. So just tell her she would be like, this is going to keep kids out your face. <laughs> but they okay? don't care. That's yeah. the thing. Right. And it'll still leave a trillion more for mm. her to spend. Even after all that, yeah. there will still be a trillion left. Which wow. will upgrade the bathroom tissue in public schools to Quilted Northern. Oh I love God. this plan. You I are love so it. silly. I love it. She also proposed what she calls a real corporate tax, which is designed to raise more than one trillion. So this is another trillion over 10 years now, this one's for the companies, not mm-hmm. so much the individual taxes, but the companies with profits exceeding $100 million. Mm-hmm. So these are the companies that we all know they tend to uh, use deductions and loopholes to minimize or even eliminate their federal tax liabilities. Well, so, Fargo. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> didn't you see mm. something that said Amazon doesn't even pay taxes? Yeah. How is that like? As much. I don't even know how that works. Much sales taxes we didn't pay they ass. They, yeah, they don't mind refunding your shit if you say you ain't got your package. They're like <laughs> dropping the bucket. They're like, this is light work. <laughs> okay, dropping a tub, actually. So imagine that she would raise another trillion just from those corporate taxes. And what I love is that she calls this the real corporate tax, the mm. shade, even in mm-hmm. the name. Um, she's also considering, or rather, proposing higher state taxes as well, which will help raise $400 billion. And will expand access to affordable housing. So she'll tax you if you have an estate, which if you have an estate, hello. Right. You can handle the tax. You can handle a little bit of tax on that, especially if it's going to expand access to affordable housing for the average American. So, so far, how do you guys feel about that? You think that that's fair? So far, I do. And I think it'll be very noble if some people who this will possibly apply to will speak up in support of that, too. That would be amazing. I would love to see that, especially celebrities. Black ones. (laughs) 
Well, really, all of them. Yeah. They need to yep. all step up because this is huge. What I do love is that that I noticed from her platform and policy ideas in comparison to the other candidates that she really broke it down. Mm-hmm. Like you see the math. It's not just she transparent. Yeah, it's not just I this promise. thing of like this is what I want to do. It's like this is how we're going to do it, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I feel separates her. But apparently, the bulk of her career has based on has been based on consumer advocacy. So she already kind of has that business sensibility and understanding of the math and logistics of how this would be broken down. The last thing she proposed is that, or rather, she says that spending $1.25 trillion over 10 years to eliminate, and like you said, this is coming from the wealth tax and the corporate tax, mm-hmm. it would eliminate up to $50,000 in student debt for those with household incomes under $100,000. Hallelujah! Wow. Could you imagine eliminating up to $50,000? First of all, that's how much my mm-hmm. my loan was. Mm-hmm. Mine was a little under 60. So, I already paid it off. <laughs> And I did see that become another war. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. saw the conversations yeah, surrounding that. Yeah, but that's that, not fair. Where people were like, that's fucked up. I paid it off and then now y'all just get 50000 off when I basically am losing that. And they felt that it was really unfair. But I, listen... <laughs> Does that sting? Of course. Uh-huh. I don't come from money. So to think that 50000 would still be in my life, of course, I feel a ping in my body at right. the thought of that. But it in no way makes me want to get in the way of this policy being passed because I would love to think that others don't have to spend that money. Right. They can use it towards a down payment towards their first house. Exactly. To, to start a new business, to pay for whatever the hell they need to pay for in their right. house and for their kids, even college funds, you know, whatever it is that people would use $50,000 for, especially when we're talking about, you know, in connection to last week's episode, those white people that they come out the gate with this kind of money Mm -hmm. that their parents give to them. So imagine if we had that to use. Well, I believe that a lot of the conversation that was um, against this particular uh, part of her policy that she came forward with, I believe it was from some of them uh, Republican bot accounts because, you know, other people will be very happy to see the next uh, group of people who will face that same challenge that you face have an easier route at it. You know, if you're a person who wants this world, literally, if you're a person who wants this world to be a better place for the better people, make it better for other people. If something was, was tough for you, you would want to make unnecessarily tough, I should say, because everything's not going to be easy. But something like this, like you said, friend, although it may suck for you because you had to to get it done a different way, it's great for other people. Because it's not about me. Yeah. It's a bigger. It's way bigger than all of us and what we yeah. have to spend. Right. And what I love is that she also says this money will allow states to make public college tuition free. Hallelujah. Could you imagine College being be free. Amazing. That would be so amazing. So your debt gets paid like, and oh. if college was free, it would have impacted me going to school and me enjoying like where I was at as opposed mm-hmm. to me trying to like settle somewhere or try to think about. Because, you know, when you're doing the whole um, financial aid and you're trying to figure out the expected family contribution, all that was stressful because, you know, that look, you sitting there doing it and he's like zero. EFC is zero. OK, <laughs> get me to the, the page where I can find out that I need a loan. Like, That's real. Because like 
and looking at that just kind of turns you off to wanting to go to school because you're like, okay, my mom ain't got this money. I don't know how I'm going to get this money unless you were to go somewhere you were super passionate about and you were determined. You said, I'm going here and I'm going to say, fuck all that other trauma. But a lot of people look at that and they're discouraged. Like, it's hard to say, I want to go to the school down the street when I want to get out of the, you know, wherever I've been and I want to go see the world and I want to do the broad programs at these schools, but I can't do that because I paid all this uh, loan just to get into whatever school I'm going to end up at. So I can't do the other stuff. I can't go abroad. Right. But yeah, if school was free, people would be able to do all that and be happier. We would have people in better positions doing greater jobs because they would be doing what they want to do. Man. This apply to every kind of school. Like, this is going to apply to like nail school, <laughs> hair school. Yeah, for real. You know what I'm saying? Like, what did this apply to? That's what I need to know. <laughs> I, ho- I, I, I hope it does it. apply to that because somebody wants to look, because Le Cordon Bleu, I want to go cook yeah. and be a proper chef. But you I, were going to be a chef? Well, no. Well, actually, oh, I, I was like, what? I so, didn't know this. So I can cook it all. Like, that's not really on the table for things that I do. That's all right. That's but what I, the class is for. Uh, so, exactly. So I want to go learn. <laughs> and then, you. what's the movie with Sarah Michelle Geller and she cooking and her feelings going to the food and everybody is like, Happy and shit. I seen that movie a long oh, time ago. Oh, the nutty professor. Clumps. <laughs> that would have taken me out if she would have appeared Damn in any of those. But yeah, I would secretly want to be a chef. But yeah, uh, free college is the wave. Man, that so this amazing. proposal, I'm just like, come on, come on, Elizabeth. Right. So uh, her proposal would benefit 95% of the 45 million Americans currently carrying student debt. And it would completely wipe it out for 75% of them. Now wipe it out. Wipe it out. Wipe <laughs> it out. Warren, wipe it out. You imagine getting a letter <laughs> yes. to your house saying your student loan debt is forgiven? With a picture of her winking and pointing her index fingers at you. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. That's the letterhead. <laughs> Look, we want you. Uh, we forgive you. She also plans to cut off. Now, this one, I'm like, woo. Federal money for profit schools. So these are the more Ooh. the private ones. She's going to cut off their federal They're money. They're not doing because that. Because she, that's something like, because this is business. You mm. know how that goes. She says they enrich themselves while targeting lower income students, service members, and students of color and leaving them saddled with debt. That's how they grow. That's the profit. Mm. All facts, no printer. These steps would stimulate the economy by improving credit scores, increasing home buying, and easing small business formation. Essentially, Warren aims to demonstrate how fundamental policy shifts can expand opportunity for average Americans, curb the trend toward widening income inequality, and boost the overall economy in the process. Yes. We got to catch up because, you know, once the future come, everybody got to be able to afford all them high tech, high rises and all that shit. But I also imagine if you were making good money, could buy a house because you wanted one. You like the school. You want to go back to school. Like mm-hmm. I've been telling you guys that I've been considering going back to school to mm-hmm. become a therapist because I would love to open up a small, like, could you imagine me having yes, my own location yes. in Harlem? And it would look so dope. Me and Crystal have actually talked about it, having ooh, our own. Wouldn't that be ooh, cute? Ooh, we yes, would kill. Very, yes. We're considering it. Um, I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll admit, the thought of going back to school, the debt, because yeah. I have no debt at all, like I paid off everything. I have no credit card, no school. I think I went debt free in 2015. Mm-hmm. God is good. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. 
I will admit that that gives me anxiety. And that's sad because I know that I could provide an amazing service for Harlem because the thought that we came up with was having like sliding scale. Because what people tend to say is that therapy is too expensive. Mm -hmm. So it would be based on your income Mm -hmm. as opposed to having like a set rate that everyone has to pay. That was kind of how we were going to give back to the community by offering it. That's a huge service. And I would love to be able to do that. But I have to admit that the thought of going back to school and racking up that debt is like, ah. Yeah. It's a little bit overwhelming. And that's Mm -hmm. sad. Because think about how many people don't pursue the things that they really are into because they simply can't afford it. Think about all the songs you haven't heard because people couldn't go to school and pursue their vision of being a drummer. Or I thought you were going to say learning how to read and write. Oh that God. too, maybe. I mean, for real. Think there be, about look, it. there be niggas that stay on the block uptown. They just be like, I'm not leaving the block. I didn't go to school. That shit was too expensive. Teachers counted me out. Like, I'll be like, damn. Like, you it's can leave. real, I, though. Like, it is. Once I saw that shit, I was like, this is like global. Like, I knew niggas in Atlanta that were like that. So many people here, I was like, it sucks. Yeah. It's so sad. We're going to see what Elizabeth Warren's Tiva Sandal wearing ass is talking about when it's time to debate. Do you but believe you know her? probably against her. You um, think she's really... First of all, you think she's really going to be able to do this if she's president? Well, you have that, that conversation directly relates to who will be in the House, who will be in the Senate, all of those types of things. So we'll see. Right. I think there's a great chance that a lot of the things that she spoke about in these policies could see the light of day. Um, and one thing I do want to mention that will be on her side when it comes to taking away that money from the private colleges, look at how fast they raise the money for the North, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame shit. Mm-hmm. Not, oh my God, that's awful because that's a historical um, landmark. So I apologize. No disrespect intended at all. But look how quickly that money was raised. You know what I mean? So there, there's there the money that Is money. There. Yeah, it could also be put to other uses, including funding these schools that they don't want us with. Now, if we start letting our Rottweilers and our German Shepherds shit all over the lawn at these private colleges, oh my God. you know what I'm saying? And then let's see how that works. Moving on. I don't even want to get started. Go ahead, friend. <laughs> and if you want to read more of the King shit on the lawn. And, uh, <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say self-control. <laughs> if you're interested in reading more about Elizabeth Warren, obviously you can Google it. It's, it's It'll pop up. But I, immediately. I, yeah, immediately. I grabbed this information from CNBC.com where they have tons of articles with breakdowns. The second politician that I wanted to highlight, and let me just say before anyone thinks otherwise, I'm not co-signing. These are not endorsements. No These are body. not endorsements. Retweets are not endorsements. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what I am curious about is the policies and the platforms that they're standing on because I like I said earlier, I like what they're talking about. I like yeah. the ideas that are coming yeah, out. Conversations yeah, and the conversations that people are having on Twitter. So Andrew Yang, have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Talking at Yang all down there all the other day. I heard him. Oh <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was just about to say Yin Yang in this thing. <laughs> Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang in this so thing. So he, okay, so he's. He's music when he comes out. Here's a little bit of background. He's an American entrepreneur born in Schenectady, New York. Okay. To immigrant parents. I'm already like, yay. From Taiwan. He started his career as a corporate lawyer. Um, then he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> he left to launch Stargiving.com, which was a website for celebrity affiliated philanthropic fundraising, which is pretty cool. From there, he moved on to a healthcare software company and then he became CEO of Manhattan Prep. I don't know if y'all are familiar. That's 
uh, a company that Kaplan acquired for test preparation. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the pills. <laughs> he then founded Venture for America, <laughs> whose strategy she was to recruit the nation's top college graduates into a two-year fellowship program in which they would work for and apprentice at promising startups in developing cities across the U.S. Cute. So basically, he believed that distributing talent around the country would incentivize entrepreneurship. And help economic growth. That was the plan for his uh, Venture for America company. And he was even under, I think Obama like highlighted him as like an agent for change, you know, and they have those. Right. So he's been out there. So he's running. Here's his platform. So curious what you guys think. He's running on a platform that he calls the Freedom Dividend. And it's the Universal Basic Income where he feels that he would implement a basic income of $1,000 per month. <laughs> Your face, I wish you Did you see me tune in? You like that drop down? <laughs> I knew it. That's why I, like, I looked at y'all slowly. So basically, he thinks that every American adult over the age of 18, independent of one's work status or any other factors, you got me, you got should me. receive a check for $1,000 a month. Just, ah! just, just for being American. <laughs> so Asante <laughs> like hey, this. Hey, did you get your American check? Yeah, I got my American check. <laughs> Actually, mine was African-American, you know, because of reparations. They gave us a little extra. The only... Uh, things that if one does not graduate from high school, your dividend does not begin until 20. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he states that we have plenty of resources in this nation. They're just not being distributed to enough people right now. And he feels that we need to just build a new kind of economy, one that puts people first. What do you think of that? You getting a check for $1,000 just for universal basic income. Because he feels that this will take the pressure off of a lot of people if you at least have that as a foundation in your account on a monthly basis. Mm. At least rent, that covers rent for a lot of people, at least the well, minimum. Well, now it does. Right. I think there's a lot of things that will that need to be considered regarding this. Number one, how is this going to impact the price of every damn thing else? Right. How is this going to impact the cost of living for Americans? Is this something that once all those factors are put into place, that even is feasible. Where is the money coming from? Um, I have all those answers for you. Okay, perfect. Let's let's, let's run them. Because <laughs> I knew this is what we were going to ask. <laughs> I'm definitely skeptical. Right. So I went on his site and I looked up his thoughts on inflation. Mm-hmm. So he says that the federal government recently printed four trillion, four trillion. What mm. the fuck? For the bank bailouts. You remember the mm-hmm. bank bailouts? Absolutely. And, and it's quantitative easing program, and there was no inflation. So our plan for universal basic income uses mostly money that's already in the economy. In monetary economics, leading theory states that inflation is based on changes in the supply of money. So our plan has minimal changes in the supply of money because it is funded by a value-added tax. Mm. And that's what he's calling his VAT. So this is where I 
jumped over to how would we pay for this, which was your second question. So this value added tax, uh, he feels he says he will take it from welfare. I know I got a little anxious at this part. Welfare and social program beneficiaries would be given a choice between their current benefits or the $1,000 cash. So they would be able to choose which one do you want. The air just went out the tire for me. I mean, that part made me a little anxious. Um, cause, but he's saying that we currently spend between $500 and $600 billion a year on welfare, food stamps, and disability. So he thinks if that was reorganized, basically, and redistributed, that that would like open less up. less people might be on it? Or... Yeah, less people would be on it, and that would redistribute how that money is, is mm. spent, basically. And then the second one is the VAT, this value-added mm-hmm. tax he was talking about. And this would be based on the production of goods or services a business produces. So it's a tax. He says it's a fair tax, and it makes it much harder for large corporations who are experts at hiding profits and income to avoid paying their fair share of taxes. Similar to what Elizabeth Warren was saying, mm-hmm. the real her her version of real corporate tax, he's calling it the VAT, the value added tax. So we would essentially take the money from Amazon, yeah, <laughs> and the like. And he wants to take it from the welfare recipients and the like. I mean that part. Yeah, I know. I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dog. I told you you've been talking at Yang from down the street. I didn't hear what he was talking about. I don't know, dog. He also claims that by doing this, by having this and implementing this universal basic income, putting money directly into the hands of Americans, consumers would grow the economy. He thinks it would just be the natural result. He says Roosevelt instituted the Roosevelt Institute projected that the economy would grow by approximately two point five trillion dollars and create four point six million new jobs. This would generate approximately five hundred to six hundred billion in new revenue from economic growth and activity. I would like to see how they arrived at those conclusions. (laughs) Right. Like the breakdown. I would like to see it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, he's saying that we currently spend over $1 trillion on healthcare, incarceration, homelessness services, and the like. He feels that we would save $100 to $200 billion as people would take better care of themselves and avoid the emergency room, jail, and the street would generally be more functional. He feels that these will be the results of everyone having this basic income. All of all because of everybody having an extra thousand dollars a month. That's his platform. Wow. Child, please. Who, who, who's next, friend? Because <laughs> <laughs> this, this, I mean, come on. This sounds like a great idea. I think in theory, yeah. it's fantastic. But I would love for a check yeah, to just, yeah. for me to know that at minimum, I'm yeah. going to have a thousand dollars because we know as creatives, especially there's an ebb and flow to our yeah. pay. Yep. <laughs> we have months that we are living like kings. Amen. And then months that you don't know you, what's going to happen. Yeah. McDonald's. You know what I mean? You're trying to go home to eat your friend's food or whoever. So yeah. because of that, it would be so nice to know that you have that at least. But when I really read down the breakdown of where this is coming, you see how with Elizabeth Warren, it felt like there was like... 
it more made sense. tangible, yeah. like concrete. It was like that's why I was mm-hmm. saying earlier that with hers, it felt more reliable. Yeah, and I could understand it. I'm like, okay, I see where this is coming from. I see how this could be done. With this one, I don't know. Felt like a little bit more fluff, especially the part about like. People would, you know, not be homeless. And they would take care of them, better care of themselves. Well, I've seen you, Yang. (laughs) (laughs) So what are your thoughts on universal basic income, even just as an idea? It's a great idea. But honestly, I also get scared. See, because like you say, it would be amazing for a thousand dollar check to just show up every month. Just because you're you. But I hate to be like this. But you know niggas, right? (laughs) Like, you know, niggas, like, like, and I would have to see, I guess, what other things would be like alleviated or how that would change. Um, and what while I can't, like, because I feel like getting extra K a month, some people are going to be like, oh, no, I got extra money to get my nails done, this and the third. And it's like, what about extra money to, you know, catch up on, you know, like me? Like, if I got that extra thousand dollars a month, I would just be like, oh, yeah, you know, basic stuff, but. It would be like, okay, well, what about, you know, paying your rent or fixing up your house, you know, fixing up some stuff that you need to fix up. Or if you got kids worrying about them, like some people might, you know, be less responsible with their new money than other people. So then that's the thing that I kind of worry about. But I also would think how would that be affected um, depending on like what programs would like change? Like, you know, would somebody even squander their money more if they had to pay more for like school or something like like what things are going to come along with um a thousand dollars because is rent going to like double it's like okay well now you know you're getting at least a k a month so you can afford to go on ahead and pay a k extra on top of what we decide to make rent like so those are like the things that i think about to make it back mm, so what's the whole thing gonna be like you know what i'm saying yeah wait till you see that and you know what else i feel like is going to be directly impacted by this policy which is why i personally am ruling it out the door charge, the cover charge at nightclubs. Can you imagine if these promoters and club owners know your ass got a thousand dollars a month off rip? Yeah, for real. Please, you talking about ladies free before twelve? <laughs> ladies three before twelve. Is it three hundred dollars to bring your ass up in here? Right. You got the money. Leave it to dust. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> and as far as people squandering the money, I think that's up to them. You know what I mean? If 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 that's what they want to spend it on, it's an extra thousand they get a month. Yeah, but what if I they do think it would and be make nice. them sign up for more welfare or something like that. So then it's like, well, you got your extra thousand, but like you got to pick. Like if you think pick. it's going to be hustling backwards. He said they got to pick. You can't get both. Either you get your current benefit right. you or you know, get the $1,000 a month. But that's why I started with, you know, niggas, because they still going to find a way to like be able to be like, uh, you getting benefits? But yes, girl. And I still get my check. Like, oh, my God. Like, I've been using my Stop grandmother's it. name because she Stop get extra, uh, yeah. you know, they case 2K a month or something like that. And, it, and like, I feel like people going to be working <laughs> the system. And that's what I be thinking about. And I can't do nothing about that. But I think about, like, that's another part of that. Like. That's why I started off with you, know, Nick. No, you know, you know. With look, with new opportunities come new scams. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I, I got a feeling that the I got a feeling that the tech behind this one will be. Yeah, it ain't gonna. It's gonna Game be of Thrones, impenetrable. I hope so. I, I feel like that coding behind this you one. Just know when it comes to I any mean, sort he of did government. say he did say on his site, which if you want to read more mm-hmm. on his policies and his platforms, you can check them out at yang2020.com. Like I said this is not an endorsement i'm just curious about people's ideas and their platforms but he did say that a lot of that will be made illegal like you can't lend out your money you can't you know what i mean you can't use it so 
<laughs> Look, there'll be laws. What if I know the card it? number? It's like, where's the card, girl? No, I can't just do the number. Like, I don't know whose name. And what is all the cash gonna be pink? How you gonna know? Like, I, I, nah, I'm just no. Me, you. I think it would be great. Yeah. I think it would be awesome. I think a lot of things would be great and awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't know if they would be. But I do. You know, it would be nice too if there was. Uh, free programs available in neighborhoods, kind of in alignment with someone like a budgetista. Yeah, who yes. could show you with that thousand dollars how you can flip it, where you can invest it. Have different people talking about everything from stocks to crypto to options. You know what I mean? Like having uh, community workshops or in community centers, financial literacy centers, which would be awesome where it's like, yeah, you have your thousand. Let's, this is how we'll show you how to make that grow. And you have to go, you have to attend the classes to receive the money. Oh, wow. So you would put that stipulation. Yeah. That would be dope. To. But if you attended your uh, money management classes, because you know, that's another thing that we always have dealt with is financial literacy. So it's yeah. like, if you did your financial literacy courses this month, you know, you get your check. But well, I didn't get my check and I did my financial literacy. But oh well, it shows you was logged in, but you was actually inactive, so you not qualified. <laughs> like yeah, yeah see. Okay. And in February, the financial literacy. You have no class. faith in this program. <laughs> we don't. That's I why we about to. I know people, man. People always finding a way to scam. Like, <laughs> what's the financial literacy class is going to be in February during Black History Month? Playing Tonk. Oh. What else? Oh my God. Dominoes, financial literacy, how Stop to shoot it. dice. What else? What's no. other financial literacy? How Do to flip it. You wouldn't want to see an extra thousand dollars in your account. Are you? Yes, but I not from uh, from Yang's ass. Why? Because I feel like the rest of that behind it, I don't, I don't, I don't trust him. You're such an old man. <laughs> okay, just, so let's go. Just. Let's move into the third and final candidate. Okay. Have you ever heard of Marianne Williamson? Yes, the mm-hmm. author. Okay, mm-hmm. that made me happy. So, y'all know she's my favorite. She's born in Houston, Texas. She's Houston, an American Texas, author, man. lecturer, and activist. She's written 13 books, four mm-hmm. of which were New York Times number one bestsellers. Dang. My favorite, my personal faves are A Return to Love and The Law of Divine Compensation, two books which I have mentioned on this show. You should definitely read them. She's incredible. Um, she also has a church that she runs every Tuesday night. I never can go because we're always here recording. Always. But I love her. I've been, I stream it. I live stream it after and she's oh, wow. amazing. It's, it's here in New York? Yeah, downtown. Oh, wow. I know, we gotta go oh, one day. Mary Ann Williamson. She's awesome. So she's also the founder of Project Angel Food, a volunteer food delivery program that serves homebound, that services, excuse me, homebound people with AIDS and other life-threatening illnesses. She's just an amazing person. I've always been a fan of hers. And she's running on the platform, are you ready, of race and repentance in America. Okay. Ooh, okay. This is a... The reparations plan. Okay. Reparations. So we got Elizabeth Warren taxing the wealthy, Andrew Yang with the universal basic income, and Marianne Williamson with reparations. Reparations. Okay, let's crack this egg. So she states that whites and blacks have a relationship in America, but it is an unequal one. One side owes something to the other. 
And until the debt is paid, the relationship will remain unhealed. Mm. The very mention, she says, of paying something back to people we enslaved for 250 years plus 100 years of domestic terrorism. Mm. These are her words. Wow. She says this conversation is still not on the table and she doesn't understand how or why. And until it is, America will not be free. So she's proposing that America put $200 billion towards a reparations plan for African-Americans, an educational, economic, and cultural fund to be dispersed over a 10-year period by a council of esteemed African-American leaders. I don't know why that part made me laugh. Because can we pick them? <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, I already know it's about to happen. I mean, like right now, can we pick them? <laughs> like who y'all want to be on the board? First of all, Michelle Obama, for sure. Oh, yes. 100%. Oprah can get it. No, nah, because I'm upset with her right now over that Neverland shit. <laughs> Who else can go up? Al Sharpton. Blue Ivy. Stop it. Yep. Who else? Um, let's I see. would trust Jay-Z. Queen Latifah. Trina. Yeah. Will Dana and Jada. Owens. Oh, yeah, Will and Why Jada. Why are we picking celebs? Oh, my God. This is terrible. Who else can it go It is up terrible. There? But, you know, the people are going to at least look at them and be he like, well, what's going on? You know who else could go on the board for real? Because I believe that they would help with, like, the financial shit. Young Jack Candy Burrs. What? I mean, Mine Taurus is notoriously good with money. So and Candy, is, she's a, she turns a shade tree into a money tree. Candy. Um, who else? I definitely don't want Nene up there. No, not <laughs> This conversation took a Sorry, turn. go ahead, <laughs> well, Look, look, I can't say I'm a roaster or nothing like... Oh, wow, no. <laughs> The Apprentice. So I was watching, and, <laughs> and if you want to check out more on her conversation in regards to race and repentance, you can go on com. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E.com. I was watching an interview where they had... A debate and they were asking they had people in the audience asking her questions about her platform and policies and the young man on cnn.com asked her where would this money be coming from mm-hmm. 200 billion towards a reparations plan and she says it's her response was it's not a zero-sum game whatever it costs it's time to do this when people want to do tax cuts for the very wealthy or invasions and wars against countries who didn't even do anything to us No one asks where we're going to reallocate this money from. They just make it happen. The same with the tax cuts for the banks Mm -hmm. or not the tax cut. It was the the pardoning. Yeah, the bailouts. (laughs) The bailouts. Where Mm -hmm. did that come from to be able to do that? You know what I mean? So she feels so she didn't have an answer on where it's going to come from directly. Mm. So there was no breakdown in logistics, which to Uh, me always gives me a little bit like, ah, I love her, but she did say that similar to war, like she mentioned, the money is there. It's just a matter of it being redistributed. So... Marianne Williamson is not a politician, right? But I'm she's really a thought glad. Leader. Yeah, and I'm really glad that she's a part of this um, this conversation. I'll say because she has ideas. Although we, I can pretty much assuredly say that most people are not going to support her as a candidate for presidency, right? Yeah. But the fact that she's being vocal like this about things like reparations and saying how urgent it is that that it is recognized, you know what I mean, and 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 I guess taking action upon, I think that's. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that she's spurring these conversations. I think it's also great that she has such a 
legacy of legitimacy behind her that people are going to at least entertain it. These same thoughts and ideas coming from somebody like who, um, I don't know, the Starbucks guy that was running or that said he was going to run or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. It's a completely different response. So I'm glad she's a part of this conversation. And I hope she keeps speaking up every chance she gets about things like this so that other people can be affected by it and maybe figure out a way to incorporate, incorporate it into their other ideas. And I'm talking mm-hmm. to the people who are politicians. And yeah, I love that she put it on the table because if you watch interviews now with like Kamala Harris or Cory Booker, uh, Bernie Sanders and the other thousand people that are running. Mm-hmm. Bet what is it? Beto. I don't. I always say his name like he's mm-hmm. Latino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beto. I was about to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now it's a it's a conversation piece. They literally ask them, "What are your thoughts on reparations?" And everyone has to have an answer. And I love that. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. She yeah. may very well not even make it. <laughs> to the elections 2020 but I love that she has people thinking about this which that's what's been exciting me I don't normally pay attention to a lot of these platforms but I feel like conversations like this on tax cuts for you know and and reparations (laughs) universal Mm -hmm. basic income I'm like okay like let's keep talking about these things and most importantly I want to see how these things could happen like how could it be done I want to see the logistics. I want to see the breakdown, the numbers, the math. That's what I'm most interested in. I wish economists would join the conversation and kind of break down like, okay, let's see how this could be done. They're going to have to at a certain point um, as as these debates can become more and more frequent and people start getting more and more interested in these ideas actually being implemented. There will be a contribution from economists, from all sorts of political strategists and from other people who can shine real life outlook onto like these topics. Right. Reparation sounds like such a, a fantasy of an idea or of, a, or of something to take place, but it very well could be real. So I mean, if that's the wave that people are on let's break it down make it make sense something that is 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 beneficial to the overall economy and let's see what happens so it'll be interesting let like that song says let them hoes fight <laughs> That's what, i'm ready to see them duke it out and let's get down to the bottom of it and and you know what i mean let's get some can let's get a candidate what i did see the debate surrounding her platform were people saying okay how do you decide who gets the money? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I think it would be easy when it comes to reparations. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, but when you start getting into diaspora conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how? what's the breakdown? If you were born in Jamaica, you know, if your family was in the islands, if you're in Europe, like, how does that break down? Who's the, Who gets it and who doesn't? The diaspora is so spread. Speaking of, this is a little bit of a tangent. I finally watched Guava Guava Island. Is that what's called? Guava, Guava Island. Island. Oh, Guava Guava. <laughs> you think about Gullah Gullah Island? <laughs> Come and let's play together. And you know what I loved about it? That I thought people, that I did see people were kind of confused, but I was like, this makes it magical to me was all the accents. Yeah, the, you know, the black people with the West Indian accents. Because the it was literally the, the, the diaspora yes. in one island yes. all together. So I love that there was like a Dominican lady speaking Spanish yes. or a Cuban. She may have been Cuban speaking Spanish to Rihanna. And then you saw the little kids that were like from Panama. Mm-hmm. And then you saw someone that sounded like they were from the UK. 
the young lady yep. that was talking to him at work. And then the next shot, it was someone from West Africa. It's just like, how cool. So I thought dope. that was really cool. I love cool. that. It added to the fantasy. Yes. Totally. Yeah. It's like, like all black people from around type. the world living yes. on an island. <laughs> and they all understood accents. each other. Yep. Yeah, but everybody's on beat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, tangent, but I had to throw that in there because this made me think of that. Like, who would get the money? Yeah. I, you know, hey, I figure there's ways that you can designate the people that are deserving of reparations. You know what I'm saying? Direct descendants. Can you, like, can you braid hair? Can you fry, like, like can you season a pork chop? Can you... I don't know why I was what looking else, at what else thinking can, he was going to can you serious. Can you back your car in the driveway and vacuum it out with the doors open and the windshield wiper blades up and Frankie <laughs> Beverly and Maze playing? Can you do these things? Like, I think this is a great blackness meter. Um, I think it's a great way to really cut the grass so you can literally see the snakes. You know Reparations, like? I'm on to it. You know he sounded like... You know the good place mm-hmm. when they were doing the test about who was good and who was bad and they were asking like random ass questions. Like they were like, do you do this with or like did you listen to Blink 182 and that was like to determine if you were good or bad him asking that was like determine whether you're deserving of reparations right <laughs> like right. if you're mixed race do mm. you get a piece of it is it divided you know what I mean if you're only a quarter do you get a quarter of the like I guess that's the the conversations that I saw stirring up online where it's like how do you decide who is black enough for reparations? I think like Tiny is a perfect example, right? She clearly made a choice. You know what I'm saying? So like, so like, so like, you know, I'm gonna drive the boat. I'm gonna drive. Her name could have been Small. <laughs> so you never know. You know, she's tiny, but it could have been small. Oh my god. Anyway, go so ahead. that's <laughs> it. I just wanted to throw those out there because I found the platforms to be interesting, number one, but also it tied in so seamlessly into our conversation about access and privilege yes. and the fact that people are openly discussing how to redistribute that money. I think is a wonderful thing. I just want to see it come to fruition. Yeah. Because that would be beautiful, whether we're getting $1,000, whether you get a check for being black. Could you imagine if it was like a sliding scale based on shade? Like, <laughs> nobody want to see dark skin niggas wearing like that. They don't want to see that happen. They don't want to see that happen. That would be too fucked up. They would be like, wait a minute, you get paid a premium to be dark skin now? Like, that's not how this should work. That's why I'm, I'm just curious how they would do the logistics Another way of scamming, because then niggas going to start tanning. It'd be an epidemic. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Y'all are killing me <laughs> with this conversation. But something to think about. I just wanted to throw that out there. And that's it for this week's Hot Button. Say goodbye to expensive TV bills and horrible customer service with Philo. Philo is a new way to watch all the TV you love. Philo is the cheapest way to watch over 50 of your favorite channels like VH1, MTV, Nickelodeon, Lifetime, and the Science Channel. Catch the biggest shows on the TV like Walking Dead, Live PD, SpongeBob, and Paw Patrol for the Kids, plus tons of classic shows and movies. Enjoy live and on-demand TV, plus unlimited recording for only $20 a month and never miss a minute of the shows you love. Philo is great for watching TV from your TV, phone, or computer whenever you want. There's never been a better deal on cord-free, commitment-free, hassle-free TV. Philo is available on Roku, iOS, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. To start your free trial, 
visit philo.tv slash friendzone. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash friendzone. Mr. God, I'm for the L-O. All right. Now let's bring in the wind chimes. <laughs> so CNN Business, I clearly was on CNN all this weekend, <laughs> reported that food stamp recipients, hello, Andrew Yang, <laughs> can now order groceries online for delivery. What? Isn't that so Dang, awesome? Yeah. Does that mean they can get hot food at the deli too? <laughs> Because, you know, they be tripping if you try to get a high sandwich. but cold only. I'm like, damn. So for the first here? time ever, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has given the green light for recipients of the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, no. to use their benefits to buy groceries online and get them delivered to homes. So we'll have companies like ShopRite and Amazon servicing the New York City area, while Walmart covers upstate locations. Wonderful. And they say, uh, all Fresh Direct, Safeway, Hy-Vee, Dash's Market will also join the New York pilot. And the test will eventually expand to other parts as well as Alabama, Iowa, Maryland, Nebraska, New Jersey, Oregon, and Washington. So yes. those will be like the test states. I'm excited about this. Yes. This is a big deal because it's going to provide a lot of ease for working parents, mm-hmm. caretakers, the elderly, disabled, Food deserts. Yeah. Hello. This actually, too, it modernizes that the the food stamp system, basically. We live yeah. in a society where people order their groceries and have them delivered Time now. Time for that program to catch up. It should be applicable. So I think this is great news, great progression. Yes. And even those without reliable transportation, which is a big one. Right. Yeah. You we, I never Oregon. had a car growing up. You mentioned I mean, Oregon and Montana. Can you imagine how far apart the liquor store in Montana is? <laughs> God, not the liquor store. God, God damn, you trying to get some hot hot fries. You need this. I think this is great. So the USDA's goal will be to eventually roll the program out for the more than 38 million Americans that are currently on food stamps nationwide. So hopefully this will be a nationwide rollout. They're tapping into the $63 billion food stamp market which could give online retailers a huge boost. So there's a lot of incentive on both sides. Yeah, Yeah. it's a win-win. Big box retailers have recently lost the food stamp market in recent years because of convenience stores, pharmacies, and the dollar stores (laughs) who have rapidly, who rapidly open new locations, which is so true. I feel like they're Mm -hmm. everywhere and are expanding their groceries. Yeah. Which, you know, when you go in, they be having everything yeah. now. We we were always at the dollar store when I was on tour because we would get, like, a lot of the necessities like candles and decorations. Mm-hmm. And we were always amazed at how much stuff the dollar store has. Wow. I wish dollar we had tree. one near me. In Dollar Tree, mm-hmm. right? Love popping up in there. So they're hoping that this rollout will help the big box retailers stand out against them. Now, that part does make me feel bad because it's like these retailers, these smaller retailers have been holding the hood down. Right. You know, they're the ones that are there. They're the ones that are cheap and accessible. And then now the Amazons and the ShopRites and the Fresh Directs are basically like the government's helping us boot you out because you guys took the food stamp market away from us. I guess someone's always got to lose out. That's just the way of business. But on the brighter note, I am happy that this will help food deserts. Yes. 
because if you can order online, my only concern I will say, they were mentioning like the disabled, the elderly, is that the internet. Not everyone has access to the internet. Sure. Mm, number one, and I don't know about you, my grandmother would not know how to order. Right. She can barely text. You know what I mean. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, hopefully that as this plan is more and more fleshed out and developed, hopefully those types of um, provisions are accounted for in the language. So there will be people to assist, yeah. you know, elderly or people who need the help in getting this done. I mean, you're uh, talking about America. I know. I know. That's why. I, <laughs> like, once they could drain the swamp, <laughs> okay, and get some new people in here that seriously. actually give a damn, right. maybe they'll add those things in, you know, hopefully. They're currently testing it for technical and security issues, which made me think of what you were saying, Asante. Because on this part felt a little bit shady, though. Oh, Let's be go. real. It says online purchases using food stamps require a higher level of security to I'm prevent to and to Detect misuse, which mm. was so much shade. They're it basically was. like, we know Can't how y'all you do. Niggers nothing. Which kind of made me be like, okay. Until you look at the numbers and see who the largest recipients of welfare in the United States are, and then you Honk see the guess what? On them. <laughs> the red best shade throws itself. Wow. Now let's go. <laughs> this is why I don't talk about this shit a lot. Y'all already know how I feel about political <laughs> matters. I'm very much on one side of the issue. <laughs> so go ahead. And then the, here was the shade, the second piece of shade. Uh, they're facing delivery hurdles when shipping to low income areas. So they're considering not delivering to your house directly but instead creating drop-off locations mm-hmm. for the safety of the drivers and the efficacy of the program how do you feel about that <sighs> so if you're in the hood hood we ain't coming to your house but there might be a place close by where you could pick it up i think that that would be dope if they were to like make little centers or something where people can go like if you don't have a grocery store nearby or even if you do have a grocery store nearby if there were like central locations to go pick up the groceries that aren't far from your house or within walking distance may be fine but I guess it should also depend on like how much you're ordering too. So if you order a lot of groceries and you are like disabled, so like this should all be part of like a questionnaire that you fill out when you're doing the service. Like, are you disabled? Yes or no. Would you uh, rather be delivered to your door or would you rather pick it up? And like, we have locations that are nearby. You can like, I think it would be more convenient if people could decide because that way it might save them time and trouble of having a bunch of drivers out delivering door to door. If more people wanted them to, to actually go get it. Cause sometimes people are like, I don't want people in my house or near my house or to be buzzing, or I want to go get it at my own time. And a lot of people do like scheduling at their own convenience. So they need to get a little survey system going with this when they, you know, implement it. And if this creates jobs for people by them having to create these centers, these drop off and pick up centers or whatever, then great. You know what I mean? It's another job. It's another income source for somebody. So hopefully that works out. And everybody don't want you at their at their uh, front door. I saw a video on Twitter like earlier this week of a lady trying to steal a check out this lady's mailbox. Oh, I saw you saw that, that? lady. Wow. Yeah, she yoked her, her ass up when she came out there. I'm going from my goddamn house. You hear me? She was yes. like, I didn't yes. check anything. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I so you know it doesn't just happen in the hood. They swipe in packages everywhere you everywhere. go. So I, I guess I just yeah. got a little sensitive to the mm-hmm. fact that when I order from Amazon, it comes right to my door, mm-hmm. and I wish that everyone could have that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of where you live, right? I understand if if uh, 
it's like more desolate areas like in middle America right. where it'll take me like an hour to get to your farm or something. You know what I mean? That I understand it might be a little complicated, but just because I'm in an urban area that isn't safe, like you got to do drop off locations. I don't know. Obviously, logistically, they are thinking of the safety of drivers, but. I'm they just, just gotta like, be. They gotta be careful with how they implement and how they say it. How the delivery? Because if it comes yeah. off with like, all right, poor people, we are gonna throw one of these in. We the don't trust y'all. Well, I was gonna say, like my commentary. To be clear, too, I'm glad you said that because I'm gonna be clear about that. Mm-hmm. My commentary was motivated by the idea that these pickup and drop off centers were the universal way that this is 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 taking place everywhere. No, no, not no. Right. They're, they're specifying that so, in low income areas there will be drop off. So ain't gonna be no picking and motherfucking choosing. You ain't gonna be just say, well, the, they gotta pick up. That's my issue. It's, I'm it's one or the other. Right. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Either it's gonna be Uber groceries <laughs> or everybody's going to the place. To the That's community right. center, yeah. to the BBQs to right. pick up. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And so aside from the sec- technical and security issues that they are fleshing out, lastly, they they are saying that they're going to, because low-income people are less likely to have reliable internet access, these are their words, they are trying to make sure that it is easily accessible on mobile, on the phone. So hopefully it'll be a that's user-friendly, good. yeah, user-friendly yeah. interface, which would be great. Something that's easy Cause I know that's hard to explain. I was trying to even show my mom like how to order, and she's just like, ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, we need large go. print. There's a lot going on. Yeah, we need large print in the font. <laughs> large print. So that's it. I just want to put that out there. I think it's in a great program. It made me very happy, especially uh, even where I live in Harlem, which is a, a pretty centralized location in Harlem. I won't mm-hmm. say where, obviously. Right. Please don't. But. It's. I still find I have a very hard time finding what to eat. Some days I like if I don't feel like making anything, and I walk outside. And the other day I was like, you know how some days it'll just hit you harder than the others. You're just like, I got the Chinese food spot, <laughs> which is isn't even like healthy Chinese food. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Right. And then you have the the, the broken fried. down. Yeah, you got the crown Kennedy fried chicken. Then you got Subway. Popeyes. Popeyes, McDonald's. Oh, no, you can always smell the Popeyes when you walk out your house. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, especially outside my house. <laughs> um, I was about to play you and be like, well, what? I wouldn't know where to eat. Either living above Black Ink. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, right? Like, there's nothing. And then you got the liquor store, dry cleaning, nail shop, hair shop. What, a, what a, the bodega, J- uh, the Jamaican spot, the Jamaican spot, <laughs> which is probably like the only saving grace, the place that sells vacation packages and like Western Union and shit. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> but imagine like you that. come <laughs> from the gym, mm-hmm. had a hard ass workout. You don't want to cook because just you know you're already tired. You go to your block and you're like, what the oh, fuck am I going to do? So, you know, that shit like that, I'm just so sensitive to it. Obviously, you know, the good thing is I can go on Uber Eats and order something from down 20, 30 blocks. So I love that this program is being implemented so that everyone else can do the same. So I read that on CNN Business. You can check that out if you want to find more details. And that's it for this week's wellness segment. Well, I was going to say this week's black business. Well, well. <laughs> Mr. Music Man, what you got for us this week? 
Welcome to another episode of the Friend Zone, and this is the Music Man segment where we get to talk all of things music in the land. <laughs> you sound so thrilled. I know, because you know, I was enjoying my Sonos. <laughs> I've just really been enjoying that thing, and um, I don't really have a whole lot to say. Beyonce blessed me <laughs> at the ass crack last night, coming back from the Bronx. Um, <laughs> with a, a demo for Sorry. And oh, I heard it. so good. You haven't heard it yet? I said I heard it. It's oh, so I, thought, I was about to say, we play, I'm, after the show, you know, we no, going in good, a... Uh, Very good. Amazing. I was so happy to have been blessed with that. Um, along with that, because we're talking about Beyonce, I actually wanted to ch- uh, choose something else I picked out of the email. Um, shout out to Emerald. She emailed the show and she says genre bending convo without. And she goes, I am in total disbelief that our queen, our sacred Creole goddess, daughter of ocean was not a point of discussion. Beyonce came to mind immediately for me. Blues mama has given us R and B pop rap rock Latin. Like sis has given us literal Spanish across eras. We all remember. Why did she randomly do that? That was so random. It was Beautiful Liar in Spanish. And then it was a Spanish double disc. Anyway, um, that was part of the email. I just had a moment. And then she says, country, soul, funk, influence, reggae influence, Broadway, musical style, and not on Broadway, but you feel me. She's given us some operatic voice. It's gospel. I could go on. Y'all, Beyonce is a certifiable master of genre bending and has been doing this for a good chunk of her 22 years and counting career. Just felt like she deserved to be amongst the great examples y'all gave. Please give Beyonce her things. Yeah. So that was well put together and well read. And it was right on time as Beyonce surprised us with the demo and the choreography vision uh, version of the formation video. So she's been having an amazing rollout of a lot of amazing things. You know, the homecoming on Netflix, you know, then the, the merch. And now, you know, the, the I don't want to say the scraps, but, you know, the unreleased uh, versions. Of, yeah, because, you know, I'll take I, I say scraps, but I'll take all of it because I just love take all. <laughs> just because everything that Beyonce has given us has been crisp, clean and very, very thoughtful. And I appreciate an artist like that. So I had to just give her that moment. Uh, a lot of other things happen in music. I uh, I don't really feel like anything is most notable compared to Beyonce. So we can just really get into our listens lately and talk about that. <laughs> I mean, it's Beyonce. I really like what do you really say? I mean, there are a lot of artists out and I hate comparing people because there are artists that I, I listen to regularly that don't get any play or aren't played often. And I just listen to the music because I like it. But there are artists that I feel like nobody can really deny them of certain things. And Beyonce is one of those artists. Which like, nobody can deny. Exactly. So I just, there's really nothing else to say about anybody else after her that I can be like, oh yeah, and this person dropped this. But a lot of really cool things did come out. But we'll just get into a little bit like of the listens lately. So I'm actually going to start off with Dustin no, Ross. No, you're not. <laughs> because I'm going to ask that you start off with me. Okay. So can I start that. off? Yeah, Dustin, I think you should start it off. <clears throat> that would be so cool. So with that being said, I would like for everyone to know. <laughs> Did and... you see the way he looked at me? He said, <laughs> he said no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, I would like everyone to know that this week, the wonderful national treasure of R&B music and soul that we are so lucky to live in the era of, Mary J. Blige's third album, her third studio album, Share My World, mm-hmm. turned 22 years old this Holy week. Shit. Now, although that makes us all feel like we're on wrist canes, <laughs> let me talk about the fact that this was a classic 
R&B album, now recognized unanimously as a masterpiece. And it also was Mary's first foray into stepping away from Sean Diddy Combs as an executive producer and overseer of her project. This was when Mary decided to do what? What does Fran do with the boat here, Asante? Drive it. This is when Mary decided <laughs> to drive the boat for her goddamn self. And she produced an album that produced the gems like everything which is one of my favorite oh, songs by her. Even the video. Especially, like, just all of that. The title track, Share mm-hmm. My World, is a cult classic, underrated. Um, seven days on my day, a friend of mine. Okay. Tuesday. Come on now. Okay. <laughs> come on. Come on. So, and again, oh, one of wow. the, also, I Can Love You by Little Kim, which is a song that still, still, 22 years later, play it at brunch and watch everybody start oh moving. God. Look, everybody still be sitting there wondering why. <laughs> baby, sit up. When you play that song, baby, sit up and, and be not wobbling because <laughs> it sounds so good. So I just wanted to give Mary her props. And with that being said, there's and also... Not gonna and not going to cry. And not going to cry. Hello. 11 years of sacrifice. <laughs> I should have left your ass long. So, yeah, you know... <laughs> That's just, it's the moment. Um, And because Little Kim was featured on uh, I Can Love You on that album, I do want to mention as far as my listens lately that she did a cover of No Auto, which is a song that was on a Little Baby uh, compilation album. Excuse me. Or excuse me, not Little Baby. (laughs) It was on a Little Dirt compilation album. Um, And yeah, and Little Kim did a cover. And it is some of the best Little Kim music that I have heard in the past 10 years. I'll put it to you really? like that. Yeah, so let's play a little snippet. Niggas call me Blanco like the mob out here. We overseas, they like, how you get them Glocks out here? I got killers in different countries, you know squad out here. Feed a lot of wolves, watch how you talk out here. So yeah, so that is... uh. Little Kim, no auto Blanco. That's her cover. I think she sounds great. The beat is perfect for her. It's definitely what I want from a Little Kim record at this stage of the game. So I'm excited. Even though it's just a mixtape, it's a cover of her. It's not a mixtape, excuse me. It's a freestyle. It's a cover of Little Dirk's song, but it's what I want. It's the type of rap I want from Little Kim. So. All right. Kimmy is it freestyle? I'm sorry. It's not a freestyle. It's a cover. Oh. It's, it's a quote unquote freestyle. So oh, it's her. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like people, they be on other rappers beats and they kind of like Im- uh, emulate their style a little bit. Right. Like so it is kind of like a little bit of both. Got you. Got you. Um, I wasn't really listening to music. <laughs> yeah. I was real. in my, um, you know how you have those, those weekends. I was more so in my, uh, audiobook and podcast flow this weekend. Mm-hmm. Music kind of yes. wasn't hitting. So who's so, been reading? Who you been I, reading? Oh no, but we can't. No, <laughs> I can't share that stuff yet because it's all research oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for future episodes. But because Dustin reminded me of how much I love this song. Needed a taste of that. I legit haven't heard that song in years. What a beautiful you record! Just made right? my night. Beautiful. What a beautiful record. Now I'm gonna man. go on the train and listen to that. I'll share my <laughs> yes. world. Twenty two years. Twenty two years. Wow. Twenty two years. And it's her third album. So then, how old is? <gasps> mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. All right. Take it back or something. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me feel so old. Again, there were a lot of things that uh, came out. I wanted to just really quickly shout out Shy Glizzy. He's a rapper that I think is dope. I he, love Shy Glizzy. He dropped a project called Covered in Blood. Um, that's if you're into that type of shit. That's very select. And speaking of very select music, Wiz Khalifa also dropped a project called Fly Times. And it's a compilation of uh, records he made with a bunch of other people. I randomly gave that a couple spins, but um, also I have to mention Lizzo. She dropped her full project for "Cause I Love You." Yay, Lizzo! Um, the iconic uh, bad bitch, big bitch, bad bitch, black bitch, amazing bitch, um, empowering bitch of all bitches that can do all amazing things. I think she's so. Dope. I thought you were reading lyrics. Uh, no, like, she just. That like she just gives that off. Like it was so funny to watch her get her hair braided for a performance and that, that be ponytail her. and sauce. Shout out to Shelby, one of the baddest braiders in Yo. the game. <laughs> Shelby Yo. Swain. Yes. So I just have to shout out Lizzo. Much success to her. But the project's called Cause I Love You. Check it out. There's a lot of really great music on there. She's dropped a lot of great singles from it and a lot of great visuals and done a lot of great performances around it. So go listen to Lizzo. And if you really feel an extra special, check her tour out before the whole thing is sold out. Okay. Um, so for the song that I want to play, I've I don't know who this is. Apparently she's been featured <laughs> on some uh music, like some records with Ty Dolla Sign last year and some other people. But I believe her name is Dinah Jane, Dina Jane. Um, I opened up uh, Title I always want to say The Tadao Tadao <laughs> <laughs> I opened up Title And um, It was one of the things That was recommended to me But I'm gonna play Like I'm, I'm gonna find me A 15 second snippet to, to play for y'all So, yeah. <laughs> For the next bitch, because she just ain't me. So that's uh, Dina Jane or Dina Jane, D I N A H J A N E. And I caught that. That's from her project that she just dropped. It is uh, Dina Jane One. And there are three tracks on there. Heard it all before. It's the first track. And there's Pass Me By. And there's Fix It. And that is what I've been listening to lately. Now we can go on ahead and draw the boat on over to TV land. <gasps> that's what in the motherfuck have you been watching on TV? First thing I want to discuss. First of all, welcome, <laughs> y'all. First thing I want to discuss is Keep Star on Fox. Oh, Star wow. on Fox has been amazing. You yes. haven't brought it up in a minute. Shout out to my boy Latroy, Mr. L. Davis on Twitter, who calls it "I Bring Me." <laughs> when is "I Bring Me" coming back on? Because that was the jam, okay? But Star has Star. been amazing. Um, <clears throat> Star is my favorite nighttime soap drama that is currently on TV and there's a few shows that kind of fall into that category but what I like most about Star is the diversity of the characters right you name it it's on Star okay everybody on Star uh, they just do a great job at really making sure that representation is a priority in the writing and the casting and everything so Star is a very inclusive show Dana still on there who Dana Owens Yes, like that's still yeah, like, that's Carlotta. Like she it. is she is a 
main cast Good. lead. Yes. And Queen Latifah is acting. I'm so glad you brought her up because she's dealing with um, PTSD and a lot of a lot of other issues this season related to past traumas and things that which that's the P and the T of PTSD. <laughs> but anyway, uh, because of things that took place in our childhood um, and there were so many revelations this season, there was a um bond that took place between her and her sister Cassie who is played by Brandy and she's a Ooh. bad girl she's a bad is she singing on there too oh my god oh, every week okay so what, what season is this that we this is season now? three okay good I can catch um, up I can catch and up. by the way Patty LaBelle is their mom Patty LaBelle Patty bitch. LaBelle is Queen Latifah and Brandy's mom on Star so the ties that bind in that family season three doesn't be and you know it's why it still, seems longer it's cause it's TV and they have more episodes and they have that break Star uh, usually does nine so episodes so it feels like seasons two when months it's just break one. nine more yeah. Yeah. there we go mm-hmm. so um, and TV be having 56 episodes per for season for real per season <laughs> and what I love about Star is that the pacing is so quick on the show that it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're rushed but it just feels like the right pace to keep up with all of the storylines because there's so many different threads to this story and I love it Star keeps me entertained I'm really impressed by the performances the the girls of take three so um, Simone Star um, and Alexandra um, they just give dynamic performances mm-hmm. and I love the way that they are no matter which direction their lives take them right because they're three very different young ladies but they just have this unshakable bond and unbreakable bond even when some of their stars have begun to rise a little bit higher than others and it, wa- it wasn't intended that way it just kind of happened they still have this 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 I don't know what it is. It's just a, a bond that these girls have where they just look out for each other. And it's so refreshing to see because they're different. Um, and I've just been really impressed with Star. So make sure you guys are checking that out um, and laugh with me along the way because there's so many funny moments. Shout out to my girl Ryan Destiny on there. Yes. And Naomi Campbell's daughter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Naomi Campbell so and Lenny Kravitz's oh daughter. She's gorgeous. Like stunning. Her character is the one who kind of took off and became a superstar out of the yeah. three. Oh, really? Yeah. And Ooh. so she is. Yes, she, she's like dealing with that sort of newfound responsibility and fame while wow. making sure that her girls, who are good, you know, in their own right, but making sure they come up too and also making sure that their relationship remains intact. <laughs> and they're throwing everything they can at these girls. Kiki Palmer played a villain, a great villain. Um, and she was able to kind of like mend fences with Alexandra too, Ryan Destiny's character. Um, it's just been stars and amazing show. Stars and amazing show. She performed that song on that show. Mm-hmm. And Who, she got a Ryan boots. Destiny? Uh, uh, Kiki Palmer. There's um, a song. What is the name of that song? I never Bossy. Remember. Bossy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm so flossy. And I'm so saucy. I don't know the actual words, but it's like this. Like, life of the party. Yeah, I get it started. But when it come on in the club, it like goes off. It's really the jam. The music on Star is amazing. Shout out to Brian Michael Cox. There's a bunch of people that work on the music on that show. So the music is just, I love Star. I'm trying to remember where I left off. And I think I stopped watching... There was a scene mm-hmm. <laughs> where Queen Latifah and Brandy pulled guns out at each other. Yes. <laughs> that was the season finale. That was the season two season finale. <laughs> They're like at a kitchen table and they both pulled guns at each other's yep. faces. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yep. yeah, how are they looking? It, just sounds... <laughs> it was great. So That's where I stopped. 
So you got to pick up on season three, friend. <laughs> you got to pick up. How um, many episodes do you know? How many episodes into this new season? Well, we're on the second half of oh, the third season. Oh, so then season. it's like 50 yeah. episodes in. Yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. catch up. Wow. <laughs> It'll be on demand. So shout out to Star on Fox. Shout out to Lee Daniels. Call me. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's been great. Also, tying this into our next television program we're going to discuss, one of the characters from Married to Medicine LA was actually on Star on this season. Woo! Yes, one oh. of the wives, one of the wives on Married to Medicine LA um, named Asha. She's an actor. Yeah. Um, and part of her storyline has been her pursuit of roles in Hollywood. She's 39. She's been at it for a while. One of her, her and one of the other um, doctors, the female doctors, Dr. Noel, she's a full-time cast member as well um, on Married to Medicine LA. They actually moved to Los Angeles together. Um, Noel was a dancing. Asha wanted to be an actress. And Noel went to medical school while she was pursuing dance. So she was like on tour with I want to say MC Hammer um, while she was in medical school and she had to leave because she was finishing up. Um, So, but anyway, Asha actually was on star. She played Kiki Palmer's um, aunt. One of her managers. So speaking roles and everything. So transitioning from Star into Mary to Medicine LA, the season finale Previously was last on week. On Mary to Medicine LA. That's right. The finale was last week. Um the girls made men's that uh, made a made men's. They made amends with one another. <laughs> Mary to Medicine LA is in a show that's riveting from like drama or from characters who are necessarily unforgettable but it is an interesting show to watch and one thing that I love about this show is they show so many different ways types and styles of being a black doctor or a black woman in Los Angeles that is married to a doctor and for that I love this show the perspectives are so different but also pro-black you know and it's good to see that supported and just showing the the lifestyle of black professionals in the medical field their wives their husbands their stories their children the decisions they have to make Dr. Britton is an anesthesiologist her husband and her children are still living in Orlando Florida she left Orlando to go to uh, Los Angeles as an anesthesiologist, Los Angeles is the capital of plastic surgery. So opportunity should be endless, right? right? She went out there looking for a job, looking for a house, found a job that doesn't start until a year later because they're building a new facility. Wow. So we found out in the season finale that she's going to go back to Orlando until that job opens up. Yeah. Right. And her husband had kind of been putting pressure on her to either figure it out now or come back home because the separation was starting to wear on their relationship. So just a great show. Um, it was only eight episodes. If you guys haven't been keeping up with it, it's a great time to catch up. Yes. Um, and I'm just be prepared it. for season two. I was um, other than that, Real Housewives of Atlanta, the, the reunion wrapped. We saw Cynthia wear Nene's ass out down to the ground and drag yeah. her up and down that stage, dip her head in the koi pond, pull her back up, <laughs> let her breathe, and dip it right on back down under the water. <laughs> Cynthia wore Nene's ass now. out. Not only did she, Eva did as well. And Eva, I've had issue with. I don't feel like she's been the most genuine of the housewives in her presentation. I still feel like there's a part of Eva that's playing along with the whole housewives machine. But that will absolve itself over time as she continues on the show. So the rumors are now that um, the season 12 casting decisions have been made. All our faves are coming back. Um, our non-faves are going away. Um, Shamari. And uh, uh, yeah, bye. Peace out. Take In the words of Patty LaHale, bye girl, fly girl. 
Um, so yeah, she can go. Um, but it also has been rumored and sort of confirmed that Kenya Moore will be back full time this season. So that creates a very interesting dynamic. Good things are in store for season 12 of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, you know, Nene's breakdown and all. And I just think it was great the way that they really held her, um, obtuse ass to the fire when it came to the things that she's done and some of her bad behavior this season. Nene really got on our nerves nerves. Mm. So there's just that. Um, and I don't want to dwell too much on negative reality TV because it almost seems like you're trashing the participants and I'm really not. I'm just talking about how trashy her presentation was. She looked great. She looked beautiful on Nene is who I'm talking about for those that are confused. <laughs> she looked great on the reunion um, but she posted a picture and this is what I mean about Nina. Nina kind of lets herself have it. You know what I'm saying? Before you, you really oh don't have God. to do the work. <laughs> like she posted a picture of reunion day and then we're going to move on. She posted a picture of the sign to her dressing room, which said Nene, where she had taken a Sharpie or knowing Nene, it was probably a Crayola, one of the fat markers. And she wrote, um, OG threat. And it had a picture of her shoe. Now, the what? day, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what she did. Exactly. The day of the reunion, she was wearing a pair of um, high-heeled sandals that were by uh, Giuseppe Zanotti. Um, and they looked like watches. It looked like there were three gold wristwatches across her foot, one across the top of her toes, one across her instep, and one at the ankle. Oh, wow. Exactly. But I'm not going to argue with someone who, you know, she sits up there on the stage and she says she's letting them know what time it is. And I would have told her that I'm not going to argue with a bitch who needs three watches, oh my God. four of which, three, four of which are on her foot, okay? Because it doesn't make sense to know what time it is. With that being said, that's all I have to say for the TV land segment. Can I run you back for a second to Married to Medicine LA? Uh-oh. Okay. No, I just, um. okay, so let me first and foremost just say to Bravo, thank y'all for keeping this franchise black. <laughs> Outside of that, <laughs> it was just dope that everybody like knows each other. I think that's something that we were endeared to as well. Like the way that they started off, they had people from Atlanta come out. Yeah, and, the like, introduction you, to yeah, the new cast. And how they, yeah. they all had like familial bonds. So I think that that was dope. So as we move into the second season, who do you want to see go? And if they add people, how many people would you want them to add? They definitely need to add another cast member. I don't necessarily want to see anyone go. If you're asking me who I don't like on the show, no, I, was I, I can definitely tell you. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I was just wondering, because, you know, every time I feel like a season of something ends, they like try to take somebody off before they uh, put somebody else on. But I actually didn't find myself hating anyone enough to be like, I just hope your ass don't come back. I did. Season. But her evil was such a necessary evil that she has to stay. Plus, I need somebody to laugh at. And the fact that she literally and I'm not even going to say her name, you don't. but the fact that she <laughs> think, acts like she's better than everybody on this show and there's just glaring things that like when her and her husband were standing up at the costume party, the mask, not costume party, the masquerade party that Noelle threw for herself for her birthday. Mm-hmm. I thought her husband was one of the children. And I was like, what are the kids doing at the party? But then I realized it was her husband. So I, you know, there's that, but I don't want to see anybody go. I definitely think though, because there's only five main cast members mm-hmm. on married to medicine LA. So there's room to add someone else. Yeah. I do know the pickings are slim. When it comes to people who can qualify for this because it's such a specific niche cast, Mm -hmm. being that it's married to medicine. So you have to either be the doctor or the doctor's wife, whatever. Um, So it's kind of hard to find people Mm -hmm. who are a willing to participate and be credentialed enough. But I hope they find one more. 
Okay, so now to look, them looking for their one more. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. almost done. I just, because I always am excited to wonder how the next season's going to mm-hmm. change. Like with Potomac, you mm-hmm. saw it evolve. Like at first, I can't wait for season four of exactly, that, by the like way. Exactly, that's the show I, I feel like we can't wait for. But so for this last point, um, so if they add somebody, would you hate it if they added one or two white people to the cast? Yes, this is not, and not because they're white, but because that's already been done. Remember they tried Mary to Medicine in Houston mm-hmm. and it failed because people were accustomed to Mary to Medicine having a certain tone. And what made it interesting was the fact that these were blacks, black medical professionals, blacks in the medical field who were willing to show their lives, um, you know, at a, at a level that was as, open as it would take to be on a show like this. So it's hard to find that. Um, I think that they're like reality reality TV unicorns because it's very, very hard to find a doctor who's with the shits as mm-hmm. far as reality TV is concerned. Right. So that's what made the show work. Right. And as you can see, it didn't work when they tried to fuck up the formula. So that's why I'm glad they stayed true to it for the also LA. As well. yeah. I just worry that because it's the West Coast that they are going to try to do that again. They're going to be like, well, it's not supposed to be black shows. So. I think they learned But I feel lesson. like they should keep it that way too. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so interesting watching back being like, well, this worked really, really well. Thank you, Mary in LA for keeping it black because that white season I feel like we should never talk about it's like the one that doesn't exist alright that's it I Bravo guess show thanks so. at TV land so now we get to move on to this is a story they were thanking you I think in the SoundCloud comments and on the Twitter on the Twitter you hear me it's not like somebody's <laughs> grandma on the on Twitter, Twitter for asking Dustin questions after TV land they're like thank you for dragging it out of Sante <laughs> Because you know you are. You, there They're are so mad many, at you. They think it's too short. I don't care. There, and honestly, there's so many things for you to hit on too. It's like what care. all to hit on. Yeah. So that's why I be. That's it's why I feel space. like for me, like I know you're gonna hit on what you're gonna hit on, but I have my questions too. Sometimes <laughs> I'm fine with that. You know. Well, I'm gonna come up with questions too. Hey, I will definitely answer your yes, questions. Friends, I'm like, well, I watched the I reunion. I'm like, I want to know why she did have watches on her feet. <laughs> All right, now we get to go on to This is a Story. Dustin Ross, tell us a story. That's right, you guys. It's time for episode 15 of This is a Story. Wow, what? 15 episodes deep, right? That's bonkers. Okay. They were trying to bootleg your story. <laughs> what? Someone on Twitter said, can someone compile all of them? I'm like, no, we're going to have it as a bonus episode. Let's wait on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dang. Dang. It's on Spotify. (laughs) I can't believe y'all, man, but I love it, though. I love it. They're happy. They're excited. Me, too. I feel like it's like my, this is a story making it to the vendors on 125th. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? What would you have done if you would have seen the file of it being circulated? Walk past one of them vendors selling uh, Palo Santo and shit, and I hear this is a story playing. (laughs) Talking about $2 a CD. I would buy one. (laughs) Anyway. All right, so episode 15. (laughs) As the gun in his right hand discharged, Tony felt the explosion not just in his hand, but in his heart. The amount of emotions that he felt at once was literally enough to make him pop the gun in his hand. After everything that the past 36 hours had hand delivered him, he had officially maxed out and all that he and his gun could do was simply explode. His forbidden lover, his devoted sister, his secret business partner, 
He was shocked and shaken by the sight of the three closest people to him entangled in literal drama on the floor. And he was even more stirred by the fact that all three of their personal tornadoes were swirling around him. Tony wasn't a bad guy at heart. Tony was a man who found himself in circumstances that required him to do what he had to do. And unfortunately, this theme had made its way into every aspect of his life, his work, his family, and his love. He was spinning completely out of the one thing he had tried his best to maintain, control. And now it was time he regained control, starting with taking control of the three people in front of him. He couldn't believe what he was seeing, even though he knew that he would be seeing something upon arrival at his sister Katie's house that night. It was no secret that Tony and Katie were very close siblings, and they protected each other at all costs, even down to having security sensor alerts in each other's homes whenever there was a disturbance. Tonight's crashing vases and fistfight had tripped security sensors in Katie's home that had alerted Tony that something was happening. He had grabbed his pistol and headed straight over to make sure that everything was okay, as was their practice if this were to ever happen. But once he'd arrived and he'd heard the familiar voices, especially Mia's, he'd cautiously entered the home and discovered the chaos of his heart in literal physical form before his eyes. They were so, so viciously fighting and Ron was so aggressively trying to separate them that all Tony could feel was an equal level of rage at the sight of it all. The gun went off. So did Tony. The chandelier crashed, and so did Tony's filter. All of y'all stop, now! Ron froze, Mia froze, Katie froze. One by one, Ron looked them all in the eye with a strange mix of anger, pity, and guilt. They all, however, looked up at Tony, and he looked down upon them all, and the words literally just poured out of a still, semi-buzzed Tony. He was the beginning of this breakdown, and so he began. Ron, out of everybody here, I'm ashamed to be in front of you the most. Where I am, what has happened, none of this shit was my intention. I know what we've done, and, and I want you to know that even with that, I would never steal from you, believe that or not. Not a dime and not your family. I've worked with you because I believed in you, but you didn't let me down by not taking care of your own damn home. You pushed me into my arms. As Ron looked up, Tony pointed the gun back at him, and Ron buckled right back down. So Tony continued. Yeah, I said it. You pushed her in my arms, and I wish I would have never been there to catch her. She has ruined my life, and she's ruined me. Shut up, he immediately turned to Mia and said. Don't you even open your mouth to fucking speak to me. You done robbed everybody in here. You robbed Ron of his life. You robbed me of my future. And you even robbed Katie, because now her brother ain't never going to be the same no more. You don't deserve my nothing, Mia. Not no tears, not no energy. You sad and you made me sad. You didn't change me for the better, but now you changed me for the worse forever. Ron took the gun and turned to his sister, Katie. Katie, I love you. 
and I want more than this, this shit for you. You smarter than everybody in this motherfucker, including me. Why are you choosing this? I'm not going to let you. I can't. I'm your brother and I got to protect you from this, from, from, from him. Tony began to pace the floor with the gun in his hand. All of y'all are better than this. He began flailing his arms and screaming. We're all better than each other. And I'm not. Tony just then slipped on a piece of crystal from the chandelier. He fell and so did his gun. They all screamed when the gun went off. Thanks wow. for tuning in to this week's episode of This Is a Story and the Friend Zone. Thank you so much. Wow. As always, we love you so much. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Stay black and protect your magic. Bye. Philo has over 50 of your favorite channels like MTV. Can I get an MTV? Can I get a VH1? Can I get an HGTV? Mm. If you got you in your feelings, can I get a Hallmark channel? The point is, everything you want is there. You can enjoy live and on-demand TV plus unlimited recording. Keyword, unlimited. For only 20 bucks a month with no contract needed. Philo is available on Roku, iOS, Fire TV, Android TV, and Apple TV. Start your free trial instantly with just a phone number. To start your free trial, visit Philo dot tv slash friend zone that's p-h-i-l-o dot tv slash friend zone Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.